the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, family and friends. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights. I've been enjoying doing these tremendously. Last week, we spoke about God in America with a question mark at the end of it. We're trying to look for God to see, is he still here? Is he, have we shunned him and put him uh, away from us where we don't really uh, let him know that we need him? We're not thankful for the things that we do have, and we're just going our own way. You know, in Romans, God said he would let us have our own way if we insisted. Well, unfortunately... We insisted, and this is what we got. I want to talk to you, though, about politics and the pulpit, because I know America desperately needs a functioning church. You know, uh, as the church goes, so goes America. The church doesn't need America to be successful, no. But America does need desperately the church to be successful. And it's important. The reason I'm doing this is because I've I've been in discussions with some friends, and a lot of them in positions of power in pulpits and ministry, they think that the church is not supposed to be involved in civil government. And that's really interesting. Um, I believe 90% of that is ignorance. The other 10%, I think, is fear. But I would like to address those issues because it's so important. I'm not here to throw people on the bus. I'm not going to name anybody. But it's important that we educate them. That's how we fix America. We educate the people to what the Bible has to say. We point them to the deceptions that are being played upon our nation. Understand the one world government is the ministry of the Antichrist. And the moves are being made like on a chessboard to cause that to come. The church, President Trump, and America are in the way of the success of the one world government. And they have such organizations behind them as the Pope, uh, the Vatican, the World Health Organization, CDC, these are all agencies run and ruled and influenced and funded by the liberal left, those who wish to see the destruction of our nation. And it's important that we have this information so that we can see things clearly. The Bible says, don't be ignorant of the devices of the devil. Remember, he came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He is the father of all lies. You want to be aware. You want to know the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It will give you the freedom that you need to make the right decisions in these last days. So I've discovered that the mindset in the church and lots of places is they feel that being involved in the churches in civil the civil arena is a distraction. It's not the plan of God, and they give you a bunch of reasons for that. But I do want to give you, this is my favorite scripture out of all of the founding fathers. We've studied the Constitution. We've studied the Bill of Rights. We've done some preliminary reading on the, it's the, I think it's 57 uh, letters or essays that uh, John Jay and uh, Hamilton and it might have been George Mason did. The something letters, I'll get it. It'll come to me. 
But anyway, I want to read this. This is by John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of America. And he reads it like this. The highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble or indivisible bond the principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. I love that. I I think that explains it all. And if you don't know that that was the mindset of the founding fathers to make a connection between the church and our nation, the founding of our nations, they wanted the church, they wanted the Bible, they wanted the word of God, they wanted the presence of Jesus Christ to influence the formation of our land. And they succeeded in that. Our Christian founders, they knew what they were talking about, even if today's modern church leaders don't. You know, America and Uh, the church. We've been joined at the hips. It's almost like we're a singular unit, if you will. And that bond was created by design. It wasn't an accident. John Quincy Adams didn't create it. God created it. But John Quincy Adams gave uh, the word about it that, hey, man, this is the highest glory that America and the church are bound together. I believe that's an eternal binding. I believe it's being torn. It's being ripped. It's being attacked. It's just being pulled down. Unfortunately, uh, freedom after freedom, the foundation of of our nation is being attacked and removed, and America is left there with a church that's silent. The problem is when you have leaders in the church, like we just spoke about, that think America is not to be involved in civil government. When these freedoms are taken, we don't do anything about it. Remember, in the Civil War, the British didn't fear the lieutenants or the colonels, even the troops, the sergeants. They feared the pastors because it was the pastors that God was using as a driving force, putting a passion for freedom from the tyrannical reign of King George III. And it was the pastors that were fueling that. Why? Because they knew what freedom was. Why? Because they experienced freedom in Christ Jesus. That's why when they made the Bill of Rights, they made sure that they put in there that our freedoms did not come from government, but our freedoms came from God, the creator. And when you see that, to me, I just can't understand how anybody could say the church is not to be involved in civil government. I'm going to make the case for this, and I think you'll be shocked at how obvious it is. Our Christian founders, they knew what they were about, even if today's modern church leaders don't. Satan has hijacked issues like homosexuality, gay marriage, abortion, law and order, racism, and immigration, and he's brought them into the political arena When you have people thinking that the church is not supposed to be getting involved in politics, we no longer talk about abortion. We no longer talk about homosexuality. Oh, that's political. Well, the truth of the matter is they're spiritual issues and Satan's hijacked them because he knows the church is going to be scared. The church is going to be ignorant about dealing with these issues. So he brings them into the realm of politics and the church is told to shut up and we say, okay. These are in the jurisdiction of the church. This is what the church should be talking about. David Barton talks about the fact about some of these old-time sermons when our nation was being formed. They talked about the eclipse from the pulpit. They talked about the railroad being built. They talked about the Indians. They talked about uh, England. They talked about trade. They talked about school. I mean, you name it, they talked about it. They preached about it. Because if the gospel isn't applicable to your daily life every day, if the gospel cannot serve as a warning to the ills of the world that are happening, if the gospel cannot be the first line of defense when your liberties are under assault, what good is the gospel? Mm. So they used arguments. People today, I heard this argument the other day, such as Jesus didn't talk about politics in defense of their ignorance and their cowardice. What do you mean Jesus didn't talk about politics? Jesus was politics. He was the king of kings. He was the governor. He was the ruler of the entire world. You got to understand, they didn't kill Jesus because he was the Messiah. 
The Messiah, the Christ's Messiahship did not threaten them. His kingship threatened them. They killed him because he said he was king. What do you think they put on top of his cross? Do I have it here? Yes, I do. Matthew 27, 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus confirmed it. He said, you have said so. Matthew 27, 37. Above Jesus' head on the cross, they placed the written charge against him. The charge against Jesus. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Understand, Jesus was government. He was a political leader. He was also the Messiah, but you don't separate that. Understand this, man. What are we called? We're called to be kings and priests in the earth, are we not? Well, we know that we're priests. We're intercessors. We're uh, proponents of the gospel. We do the priestly duty as Jesus demonstrated, as the Jews gave a foreshadow of with the, the Levitical priesthood. We have obligations and responsibilities. That's fine as priests. But what about the kingship part? What about the kingly part? That's a position of government authority. What? We just throw that out? We don't pay attention to it? Was it a mistake? The book of Revelation, was that supposed to be in there? Or did it just happen to find its way in there? I mean, we've got to get our heads out of the sand, folks. We are missing it. We are definitely missing it. They used arguments that Jesus didn't talk about politics in defense of their stance that Jesus said nothing about politics. And yet, look at this. Jesus didn't talk about air conditioning. He didn't talk about airplanes. He didn't talk about the stock market either. These things just weren't around in his day. Well, neither was a Christian nation like America. But then to go ahead and translate that into the fact that, therefore, we shouldn't talk about politics. Well, then we shouldn't talk about airplanes. We shouldn't talk about um, boats and uh, ocean liners because they weren't around in Jesus' day and Jesus didn't talk about it. We shouldn't talk about guns. We shouldn't talk about um, food processing. I mean, what, what else didn't Jesus talk about that we're not allowed to talk about according to their thinking? If Jesus didn't talk about it, we can't talk about it. That is ignorance before daylight, as Charles Capps used to say. But look, they didn't talk about these things. They didn't talk about a nation that wasn't built yet, a Christian nation that was founded and built on Christian principles, that God had a plan, an eternal plan to use them for the glory of Israel, for the glory of his own self. Remember, the highest glory of the revolution was that it combined civil government and Christianity together. But Jesus most definitely spoke about Israel, did he not? Jesus, here's a question. Jesus, was Jesus the king of the Jew? Was Jesus king of Israel? Yes, he was. And my wife told me, well, yeah, but the Romans were in charge. The Romans were in charge, yes, but Jesus was still king of the nation of Israel. He was still king of a tribe of people, the Jew. And he was still in charge. He was a political leader as well as a messiah. And you've got to understand that we cannot go ahead and shut our eyes to the truth that Jesus was the greatest political leader we've ever seen. He is going to come back. He is going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. He is going to be a king of kings and a lord of lords on the earth during the millennial reign. He's going to rule this earth for a thousand years. Oh, and guess what? You will be ruling underneath his authority. Don't you understand that? Some of his favorite people in the Bible were people who were engaged in the civil arena. If you look at Hebrews, man, Hebrews, every in Hebrews 11, you've got the heroes of faith, right? Every hero listed in verses 22 through 34 in Hebrews 11 was involved in some form of civil government in one way or another. Why do we make such a distinction between then and now? Why would God use those people in the civil arena and not use us today? Where do we get that from? We make up this stuff, and it all goes back to we don't know God. 
We don't know our Bibles. We've got our man-made doctrines. I am not surprised that this ideology is around today. People say, well, uh, we shouldn't be involved in civil government. We just need to preach the gospel. Well, you know, the gospel is all about government. It's about the government of God. It's about the governance of God. And it's about us in that government. How are we supposed to function? How are we supposed to operate? And it talks about us. It talks about us as kings. It talks about us as priests. I love this. It talks about that, the fact that there's going to be order. There's always authority. And authority, what is another word for authority? Governance. The whole Bible, it's full of all of this fact where it would be impossible for me to separate my, let's see, the the blood from my heart. They belong together. They go together. They function together. Well, so does government and the church. So does the body of Christ. Why suddenly is it that the church, that the leadership in America is afraid to get involved, so afraid to make a stance? What, the gospel is prohibited from entering into our political discussions? What are you, nuts? What kind of nonsense? Where do we get that from? There isn't any place on this earth or in the entire universe, for that matter, where the principles of the Bible don't belong. They belong everywhere. They belong in our schools. You'll agree with that. They belong in our our church services, of, of course. You don't think we're supposed to use biblical principles when we go to work in our businesses? Well, then why on earth would we not apply the principles of biblical governance to the civil arena? Is there any entity on the planet that needs that needs the wisdom of the pastor, that needs the insight from the Bible? Is there any entity on the planet more than governance that needs the help of the Word of God more? Whew. That's why I know this is demonic. Lincoln, President Lincoln, I love President Lincoln. Lincoln says, silence makes cowards of the best of men. We've got some good men in our churches. We've got some great leaders. But when they're silent, that's an evidence that they're scared to say things. The fear of man in America trumps the fear of the Lord. Hands down, we've got to get back to that place. David Barton talks about this. I think this is fabulous. I love David Barton. Some of the information I'm giving you is from David Barton and his course on the American heritage. Is that what it is? Let me check. Building on the American heritage. And he says this. I mean, this is so obvious. Look at this. It's over in Luke 19. Remember Luke 19? We talked about the talents. Remember, uh, he gave uh, 10 to one, five to one, and one to another. And two of them went out there and they did great things and they prospered and they increased it. The other guy stuck it in the ground And what did God do? What did Jesus say? He assigned them to a place of torture where there would be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. And he lost the talent God gave him. You must understand so many things. Your family is a talent on loan from God. My wife is a talent on loan from God. My pastor is a talent on loan from God. And so too is America. Your nation is a talent on loan from God. Look at this. Luke 19. God gave his servants talents to invest, right? What was their reward when they invested wisely? Does anybody know? Luke 19, God gave three different people talents to invest, and he rewarded them when they invested wisely. Well, let's just look at it. He placed them in positions of authority, where? In civil government. Their reward for investing the talents God gave them, that they would be leaders They would be rulers in civil government. One was going to rule and have authority over 10 cities. The other one was going to rule and have authority over five cities. Isn't that amazing? But to the man that refused to invest, to the man that refused to get involved, refused to take a chance, refused to risk it, 
God took it from him, and he assigned him to a place of punishment. We've got to start looking at this biblically instead of the way things people. I know there are leaders out there in many large churches that just don't want to get involved. They just don't want to offend people. They're scared. Another argument that they use, and this is ridiculous, another argument that they use is that it causes division, that it causes separation, it causes conflict. And I have a question for them. Since when did we sacrifice the truth or hide the truth for the sake of unity? Jesus never did that, right? He never did that. Why should we do that today? I don't understand that. You know, Jesus said, hey, I came, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division. I came to bring a sword. The truths that I'm going to give you are going to separate good from evil. They're going to separate the godly from the ungodly. They're going to separate the wheat from the tares, but I'm going to give you those truths. I am not going to hide the truth or be ashamed of the truth or run from telling you the truth because it might create conflict. What are you, crazy? He told you I am going to give you these truths and they will cause conflict. What's the big deal about conflict? We live in conflict all day long. You don't think that the tribulation is going to be a time of conflict? You don't think that world wars when good is trying to destroy evil? You don't think those were times of conflict, but we have to go through them. You have to make a stand for righteousness. Don't be scared. Take the blows that you're going to get. You will get tribulation. You will get persecution. You will get outed. You will be called haters. It doesn't matter. You still give people the truth. And it's pretty obvious. I know the problem for this. I know half of it's ignorance. That's why we're trying to give you this information. And I know probably... The rest of it is cowardice because we don't like persecution here in America. We're not used to it. We think we're above it. No, persecution, that's for Iran or China or other nations. No, 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 no. Persecution is not for nations. It's for people. And if you get beat up, if you get destroyed, even if you get slain for the cause of Christ because you're bothering to put the word of God where it's uncomfortable to put the word of God, so be it. You got your reward. There are worse things than dying. The biggest one for me, worse than dying, is living as a coward. I will not live as a coward. I will tell the truth, my wife and I, and we will take the blows that come. We will take them joyously. Count it all joy when you suffer for God. Hallelujah. Romans fifteen twelve. Again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. Revelation 1, 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So Jesus is the ruler. He is king of kings. He's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And under his authority, serving right underneath him is going to be us. He has made us kings and priests. We got the spiritual aspect of that down. But we need to understand that there's a civil aspect, a civil responsibility that we are supposed to undertake also. Oh, you're not going to like this. This is Benjamin Rush. He was great. Anybody know who he was? Benjamin Rush. He was the considered the father of public education in America. He was also a creator of many medical schools and colleges. Just a great, great founding father. Probably one of the top three or four. You know, you hear about Madison and Jefferson and Adams and Washington. Well, he's right up there with them. That's how much respect he had. But look at this. This is Dr. Benjamin Rush, known as the father of public education. And he taught the public schools that had three purposes. Now get this. The public schools, the purpose of public schools in America back in the 1780s, 1790, 1800s was to teach students to love and to serve God. Amen. To teach students to love and to serve their country, to teach students to love and to serve their families. 
And now we would say here as Christians in America, well, he's got that backwards. It shouldn't be God, country, and families. It, sh- it should be God, family, and countries. And that may sound right to us here, us carnal folk, us uh, less than biblically astute, us who don't know the Constitution or the Bill of Rights or the Federalist Papers. That's what it was, the Federalist Papers. That was the sets of writings that they sent out to the states to help make the case for the passing of the Constitution. Okay, the Federalist Papers. Thank you, Father. So, to teach students to love and serve God. Public education. See how far we've fallen? Purpose of public education is to introduce children to the presence and the service of God. Number two, to introduce children to their country, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, to love the country that they're in. And three, to teach students to love and serve their families. We try to switch those last two. But we've got to understand, because we have neglected our civic responsibility as Americans, as a church, just like Dr. Rush predicted, let's look at what happened. And this is so important. Dr. Rush put country before family because he understood that if we ever lost control of our country, it would become the great enemy of our families. Ouch. What is the greatest enemy of the American family today? It's our government. It's our courts and our Congress, which are creating laws that violate the sanctity of life. They murder our children. They create ungodly, demonic, pagan relationships. They're making them legal between men and men, women and women. Now there's a big push to legalize pedophilia. This is what's happened. Our government has become the enemy of the American family. How do these people get in office? By a silent church, by an ignorant church. We have got to defend against this. You know, I know people, Garen, who's watching me and listening to me, you know, this stuff is so foreign to even talk about it. The fact that what we're doing with our children, what are we? We've got to do something. We've got to rise up. But a silent church is not it. Abraham Lincoln, silence makes cowards of the best of men. Wow. They say talking about politics causes division in the church. Since when does church sacrifice truth for unity? Jesus plainly said that the truths that he was preaching would cause division. How symptomatic of the apostate church is that argument? Can you see where we're falling? I've been doing Facebook posts on this for two days. I'm going to be doing videos on this on Facebook for the next couple of days. We have got to get this information out. You need to share this radio broadcast with other people. In Matthew 23, Jesus called out the religious leaders of Israel, who were also the civil leaders. Remember, Israel was a nation, but they were under Roman rule. But the religious leaders were in the Old Testament, right? You had people like Isaiah. uh, You had people like um, Elisha talking to Ahab. uh, You had uh, Daniel talking to Nebuchadnezzar. (laughs) Did he talk to Nebuchadnezzar? In New Testament, you've got John calling out Herod. You know, where do we get this mindset we're not supposed to challenge ungodly leadership when it affects our nation? John the Baptist called out Herod. Even Jesus called out Herod, calling him a sly, tricky fox. Truth is, we, you and I, we have dual citizenship, and we are required to be good, active representatives in both realms. Satan is actively working in the political and the spiritual realm in America. Okay, so do we just let him have his way? Do we just abandon our nation to demonic powers, or do we engage him spiritually and naturally in the realms of the government to protect the talent that America has given the church called America. I love John Hancock. John Hancock, uh, signer of the Declaration, saw it clearly when he said, I urge you by all that is dear, by all that is honorable, by all that is sacred, not only that you pray, 
but that you act as well. America is dying because the church is absent. Satan has us right where he wants us, back into a soundproof closet, cowering in fear, waiting on the next government mandate to further keep us out of action. We don't need deceived leaders telling the church that we play no role in politics. Satan currently has the upper hand because, and even Lenin, Russia, Lenin knew this. Even the organized minority can defeat the unorganized majority every time. And that's what he's saying. We may have the numbers. We may. I'm not sure. But it, because they're organized and we're not, we don't. Thomas Paine, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues or the hardships of supporting that freedom. I want to give you one more. This is uh, John Peter Merlinberg. He was leader of the Black Robe Regiment when our nation was being founded. He would preach on Sunday. He'd have his robe with him. He'd take off his robe. He had his uniform. He had his musket right by the side of his pulpit. He would lead the troops out to war against the British. Quote, in the language of Holy Writ, there is a time for all things, a time to preach and a time to pray. But those times have passed away. There is a time to fight, and that time has come now. I'm Mangaya. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.